Ready? Born ready. It's another pod. Welcome back to your favorite political podcast, Where the Party At. I'm your host, Saba Long. Y'all, it has been a freaking crazy week. It started kind of mild, actually. And then as we got closer and closer to time to tape, it just got crazier and crazier and crazier. So what happened? The Probably the biggest news story of the week in Atlanta and the state, and to some extent nationally, um, although that got superseded by the unfortunate shooting that happened in Monterey Park uh, late Saturday, early Sunday morning. Um, But right here in Atlanta, a person was killed by a Georgia State trooper near the site of what is soon to become the Atlanta Public Safety Training Center on Key Road. This is technically in DeKalb County, Um, but it's right around Boulder Crest area. So the state patrol were in the process of clearing the forest and they encountered uh, an an individual named Manuel Tehran, also known as Tortaguita, which means little turtle in Espanol. Uh, So according to the Georgia Bureau of Investigations, Manuel opened fire on the trooper and shot the trooper in the abdomen. Um, And then they were shot and killed by the trooper. It's, there's a lot that's really unclear about this. Um, A GoFundMe was set up to support Manuel's family. The initial goal was 20,000. They exceeded that and they've increased the goal to 50,000. When I last checked, there were somewhere around $30,000 raised. You know, one thing I'll say about this, um, well, there's a lot I'll say, but This doesn't yet feel like the Rayshard Brooks killing, which really set off fireworks and tension between the Atlanta police and the community, especially black folks and police uh, in the community. Um, There hasn't been anything from groups like the NAACP or the ACLU regarding this killing and the shooting. So kind of what happened? So a number of folks are part of this effort called Defend the Forest. This is the land that the Public Safety Training Center will be on. Um, Right now, it's mostly forest. Um, And as part of this effort to keep the Atlanta Police Foundation from building it, the Defend the Forest folks have basically made makeshift tree houses in the forest. They've been camping there, living there. According to WABE, the Georgia Bureau of Investigation said about 25 campsites were removed uh, Wednesday uh, when this shooting occurred. And the GBI recovered mortar-style fireworks, edged weapons, which I think just basically means like handmade, man-made weapons, uh, pellet rifles, gas masks, and a blowtorch. But what they didn't say that they recovered were like actual firearms. But... They are saying that they recovered a firearm at man, what that Manuel had. So there's a lot of confusing stuff going on with this. 
Uh, seven people were arrested and charged with domestic terrorism and criminal trespassing. Of the seven people, none of them were Georgia residents. So they all came from out of state. Uh, folks' ages were between 20 and 34. <clears throat> yeah. So last year in an article for Bitter Southerner, this is what Manuel said, and I quote, and he's talking about the the police and the folks who were building the facility. He said they could come in and completely destroy the place, raise it, arrest everybody that they find, kill anybody who resists arrest. They could do that. And then days later, there would be a blank load of people back here. Blank means there's a curse word. Um, for every head they cut off, there would be more who would come back to avenge the arrested, to avenge and then he trails off. He stops talking. He's like, maybe he kind of hears how this sounds. And then he starts back up again. And he says, and again, I quote, what I'm saying is if they do a huge crackdown and completely try to crush the movement, they'll succeed at hurting some people. They'll succeed at destroying some infrastructure, but they're not going to succeed at stopping the movement. That's just going to strengthen the movement. It will draw a lot of attention to the movement. If enough people decide to do this with nonviolent action, you can overwhelm the infrastructure of the state. That's something they fear more than violence in the streets. Because of violence in the streets, they'll win. They have the guns for it. We don't. All right, so you can hear from uh, what he said in that article that they basically predicted exactly what was going to happen. Um, a number of folks have been arrested and charged with domestic terrorism. There had been protests and visuals all week since Manuel died. There was a protest at Underground Atlanta on Saturday. Take a listen to that protest. No killers! Police! No justice! No peace! No justice! No peace! So that protest somehow ended with folks being arrested, an APD car set on fire, uh, buildings damaged, just basically uh, glass, you know, windows being damaged at Wells Fargo downtown uh, because they have donated to the Atlanta Police Foundation. And then the office building where the Atlanta Police Foundation is located, that was also damaged. Um, they spray painted F Cobb City on signs and buildings around downtown. And it was a lot. Um, Re Republican Attorney General, uh, Georgia Attorney General Chris Carr tweeted this after everything was done. And I quote to the Atlanta media, peaceful protesters use words, rioters smash windows, set police cars on fire and shoot law enforcement officers. Stop calling these people protesters this was his directive to the atlanta media i think it's going to get even more tense over the next few days and weeks i mean this was maybe in some sense retaliation over the gbi or the um, state trooper being shot and then killing um one of the protesters 
the entire way this has gone down has just been really disappointing to watch. I think there are a lot of people who quietly disagree with what the city's doing and how they've gone about building the training center. I think this is something we're going to continue to watch over the next few weeks. All right, and other news, um, we've talked at the General Assembly's in session. One thing that Governor Kemp is looking at is a narrow expansion of Medicaid that would cover about 50,000 Georgians. You remember this came up during the, legis during the uh, election. Stacey Abrams actually campaigned on expanding Medicaid in both of her elections in 2018 and in 2022. Take a listen to this ad that she put out back in 2018. No matter what issue we're talking about in the state of Georgia, it all comes back to this. What can we afford to do and what can we afford not to do? And what we can't afford to do is leave behind Medicaid expansion. $3 billion a year to invest in healthcare, to save rural hospitals, to create access to health insurance for more than half a million Georgians, to help thousands of veterans and military families get the healthcare they need and they deserve to save rural communities that are watching themselves wither away because their hospitals shut down. That's not necessary in a state like Georgia where we have access to the very money we need to solve this problem. We just have to have the will and the conscience to do the right thing. Right now, hundreds of thousands of Georgians make too much to qualify for Medicaid, but too little to afford health insurance. They fall into what's called a coverage gap, but expanding Medicaid, as 33 other states have done, would fix this problem and give nearly 500,000 Georgians access to health care. No Georgian should have to fear financial ruin to get health care or pay medical bills. No child should have to go uninsured. Yet every year Georgia doesn't expand Medicaid, we lose $3 billion meant to pay for Georgia's health care coverage. That's $8 million a day that can be used to keep our rural hospitals open, create jobs, expand access to mental health care and substance abuse treatment, and reduce our alarmingly high maternal and infant mortality rates. As House Democratic leader, I was proud to help Georgians access life-saving health care that prevented insurance companies from discriminating against Georgians with pre-existing conditions. As your next governor, my day one priority will be to expand Medicaid in the state of Georgia. I will stand with you and I will fight for you every single day for hardworking families in Georgia to have the right to affordable so and accessible healthcare. That was in 2018, and we're still talking about this now in 2023. A full expansion of Medicaid would cover more than 400,000 Georgians. Again, by comparison, what Kemp is looking at doing would cover about 50,000 Georgians. Uh, another thing is the federal government would cover 90% of the cost if we did a full expansion. Uh, but with the approach that Kemp is taking, Instead of 90%, the feds would take up about 66% of the cost. So Georgia House Speaker John Burns is creating a committee that's going to focus on Medicaid and other health issues. This is something that we'll be following to see what happens during the legislative session. Um, moving on, kind of continuing uh, with Georgia, but this is a bit more of a national story. Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene, uh, who represents the, I can't remember what's her district number, but Rome and parts of Cobb County and other parts of uh, North Georgia. She is going to be in the news for a couple more years uh, as part of agreeing to support Kevin McCarthy to be Speaker of the House. You guys remember that ridiculously epic vote 
she was put back on committees. That was something that was stripped from her um, under the previous speaker, Nancy Pelosi. One of the committees that she has received uh, to be on is the House Oversight Committee. This is a big deal. She's also going to be on there with folks like Paul Gosar, Lauren Boebert, and Jim Jordan. These are all kind of seen as far-right MAGA folks. So the committee's Dang. mission is to uh, the committee's mission is to provide a check and balance on the role of power in Washington. Um, and they say this is from their website: we identify problems, shine light on the situation, and propose reforms to prevent abuse from being repeated. Here's a, just a snippet of what they have vowed to investigate. Number one, Biden's, and this is in their own words, Biden's border crisis, pandemic relief fraud, Afghanistan withdrawal, energy crisis, COVID origins, and then last but certainly not least, Biden's family influence peddling. Um, so they're holding a hearing next month on the border issue and the number of migrants crossing into the United States. And a couple days ago, Marjorie Taylor Greene tweeted that she is going to double down on impeaching Biden. You might recall that literally the day after he was sworn in, she introduced articles of impeachment against Biden. She has also filed articles of impeachment against the Attorney General Merrick Garland. So I suspect we're going to be seeing... Georgia Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene, a whole lot in the news. Okay, who will lead the RNC? The Republican National Committee is about to have an election. Uh, the current chair, Rona McDaniel, is running for re-election, and there are two challengers coming for her. One is California-based attorney, Harmeet Dillon, and the other is, <laughs> I kind of laughed when I saw this, the My Pillow guy, the CEO of My Pillow, Mike Lindell. Um, so some good pillows, man. No, dude, you did not buy the pillows. They're on sale. No, <laughs> no, sir, <laughs> no, sir. <laughs> Ronna McDaniel was on Steve Bannon's show talking about her time as chair and mentioning that Republicans have to stick together to win. Uh, one of the rubs about Ronna McDaniel that why folks are looking for an alternative is she's seen as an establishment Republican, uh, very much establishment. So she highlighted Carrie Lake uh, losing the Arizona governor's race in part because of the number of Republicans in Arizona who did not support Carrie's campaign. She also mentioned that in Georgia, the RNC's field team kept hearing repeatedly from routine Republican voters that they were not going to come out and support Herschel. We obviously saw that play out and the fact that Governor Kemp got more votes than Herschel Walker. And then there was an interesting exchange between Bannon and Rona that is worth listening to. Still kowtowing to the moneyed interest is what's got us in this place. But you want until all those that's votes. a mindset. And now. Yeah. You got to get all I the votes. votes. You got to get I everybody. You want Republican and you, Democrat. You, and, and we can't be so vitriolic with each other that Republicans say, I'd rather stay home. And you also have to support the nominee. And so that's what I'm saying with this debate process. We all have to agree. And I think all of us that we're going to support who the voters choose, who they choose through a but rigorous primary process to, to support that nominee. When you say a rigorous primary process, I just want to make the Keebler elves. Having 15 or 16 people on stage that, that can never break 1% or 
are you going to keep this that it's President Trump is the one uh, is the one announced candidate? Is there any doubt in your mind in a Republican primary that he will win? Uh, he will win in 20, the primary in 2024 and win the presidency in 2024. Is there any doubt in your mind about that? Right the now? RNC has to stay neutral on that. And Harmeet, that's the one thing Harmeet and I do agree on. You just have to. We can't. You, we can't talk about that. But what I will say is you got to go win Iowa, and then you got to go win New Hampshire, then you got to go win South Carolina, and then you got to go win or Nevada and then South Carolina, and then the rest of the map is going to play out. Do you, do you believe that President Trump won in 2020 and was stolen and rightfully? since he got 74 million votes, that he is the rightful nominee and we've got to take another shot at this or we've lost everything, every purpose as a party? Look, I've been, I mean, listen, I've testified on January 6th. I think there were all types of problems in 2020. And we all saw this. I mean, if you look at Pennsylvania, right? So 2016, the total mail-in vote in Pennsylvania was what, 260,000. In 2020, it was 2.6 million. So there were all types of problems. The reality is, Steve, if you're figuring it out after the fact, that's a problem. you got to figure it out before. And as you can hear, the Bannon wing of the party is no fan of Rona, as you can tell. Um, so Harmeet is, you know, a lawyer. And there's another prominent Republican lawyer that is backing Harmeet. Take a listen to why he's backing her over Rona. Quickly, Mike, uh, the audience thinks so highly of you. You've been a contributor with us, I guess, over the last year or so. Uh, you're for Harmy Dillon, uh, as I remember correctly. What, what is, why have you jumped in here and support Harmy Dillon? I am absolutely for Harmy Dillon. I think she is a conservative warrior. The job is, of the RNC chairman is to win elections, and uh, you, you don't get participation trophies if you lose. It's uh, how many times are we going to lose elections and keep rehiring the same political leaders in this party? We need to get smart. Harmeet Dillon knows how to fight. She knows how to win. She's a savage lawyer. She's been in she's been in the fight for many many years, and we need her expertise. We need to we need someone at the RNC who knows the mechanics of elections, the, the legality of elections, and how to win them. And Harmeet is 100% my choice, and the 168 RNC members should get behind Harmeet Dillon. We need change in RNC leadership. And then. Here's Harmeet in her own words saying why she is the right pick over Rona. I refuse to accept that for the voters in California who I represent, five million plus Republicans. And two of the three members in Texas refuse to accept it there. The members in Arizona refuse to accept it. Uh, two of the three members in Alabama as well have uh, supported change. And all over the country, state parties are organically voting for votes of no confidence and votes of support for my leadership. I think that's encouraging. But the question is, in the remaining 12 days, can we persuade enough of these folks who have been, you know, I mean, I know this is controversial and hurtful to some of them, but actually when the chair promises you uh, committee appointments and and sort of perks at the RNC, that is persuasive. I'm not handing out perks. I've not offered anybody a job. I've not offered anybody uh, cash transfers for their state party or just pay legal bills in the future. What I've offered them is I will give 110% of my commitment to work with other RNC members to win elections. And that is the only job, yes, not I mean, come photos on. and yes. cocktail parties, you know? Mmm, shots fired. <laughs> a, a Republican activist is pushing for a public debate between the three candidates, but Rona McDaniel so far is refusing to participate, which is probably smart on her part because there's really no upside for her. Uh, but there will be private forums between party leaders and the candidates, but again, those aren't really open 
to the public. Uh, the election for a, a new uh, chair is January 27th, so stay tuned. We'll see what happens there. Just as an aside, I wish there was that same level of energy as it relates to the Georgia Democratic Party, but, you know. <laughs> right. Um, all right. So speaking of uh, Trump and everyone's favorite president, um, despite everything that he has said and done, some of Republicans are still very much committed to supporting him no matter what. I mean, obviously, you could hear that from the Steve Bannon clip. Um, there are a lot of Republicans who were rumored to be lining up to run. Obviously, we know about Ron DeSantis, who's the governor of Florida. Uh, right now, the media has really crowned him as the front runner. And they are doing the very same thing to him that they did for Trump, which is give him nonstop media coverage. Uh, but if Trump were to win the nomination, um, there are a number of establishment Republicans who are saying it doesn't matter if he wins or not, they're voting Republican no matter what. So take a listen to this clip of Bill Barr, who that name sounds familiar. He resigned as the Attorney General of the United States under Trump because Trump was trying to overturn the election results. In a nutshell, I think when the parties are relatively close together or in the same ballpark or in the same universe, right. character should count for much more than it does these days, and it's much easier to compromise. And I think the dynamic that's governing here is that when you have a group that's way out to the left talking about fundamentally transforming the United States and so forth, it's hard to get compromised because people think they're making it, it's a slippery slope and they're dealing with potential Armageddon. And that's also why they say, look, if it comes between policy and character, on this case, I'll go with policy. I mean, I, I think it's... No, I, I... When it comes to policy over character, I'm choosing policy. Dang. Wow. And listen to Representative Nancy Mace of South Carolina, who was also on this panel. I'm getting there. <laughs> but independent voters want a home. And um, if it's between Biden and anybody else, I'm with anybody else at the end of the day. Including Trump. If it's, if it's Biden or anyone else, I'm with anyone else, including Trump. Trump or bust. That's where we are. Uh, man, there's so much I could say to that. It's it's remarkable. How will the uh, infighting change some of that though? Like, how will you know? There's there's a lot of stuff yeah. going on, on the right. Will all these people? Well, I guess they're saying whoever's the nominee, they're voting. Yeah, for. So yeah, it's, they don't care who so it's it kinda is as long those, as it's a Republican, they're voting Republican no matter what. So it's kind of all those infighting people to basically win the fight and not have Trump win. A nomination. I mean, that's put a the, better... that's what they're trying to do. But I mean, Trump went up against sixteen Republicans in twenty sixteen, and beat every single one of them. Hey, I know who I know who could beat him though. Who's a Republican? Yeah. Who? A bulldog. Oh God! <laughs> who in the world are you about to say? President Kemp. <laughs> Go ahead. Go ahead. We said it first. Uh, I think he could, though. I think that would be interesting. That would be interesting. Look, and UGA just won two back to back. Right. Oh, man, I use that in my campaign. This oh, I know. This yeah. Right. Who can beat us? Right. Hmm. We'll see. We'll see what happens there. Um. 
on to party starters and party poopers. So I was having a conversation a few days ago about political activism in Atlanta and the U.S. generally. Um, and I said, in the U.S., we just don't do sustained protests for civil and human rights. Not like we did decades ago, right? Not like during the civil rights movement of the 50s and 60s. Um, just in comparison, over 2 million people in France are protesting a move by the president, Emmanuel Macron, to increase the retirement age from 62 to 64. Over 2 million people have taken to the street to protest, and union workers have gone on strike. This isn't about anyone dying. This is just about raising their retirement age to, by two years. In Israel, 100,000 people have taken to the streets to protest proposed changes to the Israeli Supreme Court. That's about one in 100 Israelis. So for every 100 Israelis, one of them is taken to the streets to protest. There are huge protests right now in Peru as the former president tried to get rid of the entire legislature. They basically stopped a coup. And because of this, Peru has stopped tourism in the country because people have taken to the streets to protest. All of this stuff that we talk about on the pod I sure hope, man, this is a freaking wake up at some point for Americans to protest the things that we're talking about. Medicaid expansion, maybe take to the streets and protest, which leads me to my party pooper. Um, yeah, her go around singing the party pooper song. Every party needs a pooper. That's why we invited you. Party pooper. <laughs> party pooper. This week's party pooper are the many organizations and people using what happened this weekend with the protester being shot and killed, uh, the trooper being shot, and then the damage done to buildings downtown as a way to advance their own agendas, whether it's a pro-police agenda or an anti-police agenda or a far-right or a far-left agenda. Fox News and other right-wing outlets and groups are talking about tyranny and about Atlanta being a war zone. Like This is one incident on one corner of the street with buildings being damaged that does not make a war zone. Um, in closing, I just want to read a portion of Martin Luther King's The Other America speech to maybe put all of this into context. And I quote, Certain conditions continue to exist in our society, which must be condemned as vigorously as we condemn riots. But in the final analysis, a riot is the language of the unheard. And what is it that America has failed to hear? It has failed to hear that the plight of the Negro poor has worsened over the last few years. It has failed to hear that the promises of freedom and justice have not been met. And it has failed to hear that large segments of white society are more concerned about tranquility and the status quo 
than about justice, equality, and humanity. And so, in a real sense, our nation's summers of riots are caused by our nation's winters of delay. And as long as America postpones justice, we stand in the position of having these recurrences of violence and riots over and over again. Social justice and progress are the absolute guarantors of riot prevention. That is a snippet of MLK's The Other America speech. And I think that's where we leave the show. Um, prayers to those um, who lost loved ones and family members in the shooting in Monterey Park, California. Still a lot to be determined of what happened there. Uh, we're taping on a Sunday, so by the time you hear this, maybe we'll have a bigger, better picture. Um, if you haven't already, start to pay attention to what's happening in the Georgia General Assembly. You can go down to the state capitol and watch uh, the, your lawmakers in action. You can contact them and say, hey, I would like you to focus on this particular piece of legislation or to stay clear of this particular piece of legislation or policy idea. Uh, remember that it really is about power to the people and you have every right and ability to be an engaged uh, citizen and engaged individual in your neighborhood, in your community, in your city, in your state, in your country. All right, y'all, that is today's show. As always, thank you for listening. Share it with your friends, with your neighbors, with your loved ones. And we'll see you next time.